If you're a cannabis business owner looking to expand into new markets and need guidance and support you can trust, consider Collateral Base, a group that has done it before in multiple merit-based and limited market states. Collateral Base was founded by an experienced cannabis attorney with highly educated consultants with master's degrees and years of experience in the cannabis industry. The Collateral Base team is confident they know cannabis licensing better than any of their peers. And I encourage you to see for yourself. It just takes one phone call. If you're ready to expand your cannabis business into new limited markets, contact Collateral Base today at 309-306-1095. That's 309-306-1095. Or visit collateralbase.com. Welcome. You're listening to Casually Baked, the podcast. Home base for the can of curious. Thanks for tuning in. It's a hard time. We had a hard time. Together. Together. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, your host in Cannabis Lifestyle Guide. And today we're nerding out on vibration and sound with not only a fascinating man, but also a pioneer of sound healing. We're exploring the entourage effect of cannabis music and intention for everything from healing and creativity to spirituality with Stephen Halpern, a Grammy-nominated multi-platinum recording artist, composer, producer, researcher, and author. Stephen's internationally acclaimed albums radiate relaxing, meditative, and spiritually uplifting frequencies that have touched millions of lives worldwide. His music, writings, and media appearances pioneered the sound healing movement and launched a quiet revolution in modern instrumental music. Stephen released his latest album, Cannabis Dreams, in April, linking the healing power of cannabis with healing music. This episode of the podcast is going to sound a little different than the rest. My sound engineer, Arnav, has sprinkled Stephen's healing sounds throughout the show. Starting right here with a word from our sponsor, MJ Relief, the muscle rub PhD formulated for what aches and pains you. And this week, we'll hear Arnav's story of relief. As an audio engineer and musician who plays multiple instruments, my body does take quite a beating over the course of the day. If I have to go to different locations and set up gear, uh, which often requires lifting heavy equipment or getting into very cramped spaces, I'm teaching myself how to play the drums. I'm getting used to using the pedals and I've started noticing some, some ankle pain. And what's been a great solution is MJ Relief. For two main reasons. One is it's fast acting, which means that I can apply it before and I can go through my work pain-free and even apply it after. And that leads into my second point, which is I love the way it smells. Uh, It doesn't smell medicinal like uh, other products and almost feels like a lotion that I can incorporate very seamlessly into my day. 
So if you need a quick fix and your body is being temperamental, MJ Relief is great for both those reasons. And hopefully you can incorporate it as part of your, whether you want to consider a daily medication or just daily well-being. If you're feeling Arnoff's pain and want some muscle and joint relief of your own, head over to MJSkinRelief.com and order a tube for you and another one for your favorite music lover. That's MJSkinRelief.com. And if you're already a fan of MJ Relief, please send a video or voice memo and let me share your story of relief on the podcast. Social Butterflies, you can find at MJ Skin Relief on social. The Sustainability Roll-Up is presented by OCB Rolling Papers. In perfect harmony with natural, sustainable practices, it's always been the OCB signature to provide the highest quality, responsibly sourced, and sustainably crafted rolling papers. While getting into the weeds on sound healing, I learned that Spotify had a 1,400% increase over the last year in streams of its Music for Plants playlist, suggesting some people think music has a positive effect on their plants. I got curious and looked up the oldest studies I could find examining plant growth and music. Turns out, sound waves do indeed stimulate the plant's cells, which encourage nutrients to move throughout the plant body, promoting new growth and strengthening their immune systems. Sir Jagdish Chandra Bose, an Indian plant physiologist and physicist, spent a lifetime researching and studying the various environmental responses of plants. He concluded that they react to the attitude with which they are nurtured. He also found that plants are sensitive to factors in the external environment, things we know such as light, cold, heat, but also noise. Bose documented his research in response in the living and non-living, a paper published in 1902, and also in The Nervous Mechanism of Plants, published in 1926. In order to conduct his research, Bose created recorders capable of detecting extremely small movements, like the quivering of an injured plant. And he also invented the crescograph, a tool that measures the growth of plants. From his analysis, Bose hypothesized that plants could both feel pain and understand affection. In 1962, Dr. T.C. Singh, head of the botany department at India's Anamale University, I very well could have just butchered that university's name, Singh experimented with the effect of musical sounds on the growth rate of plants. He found that balsam plants grew at a rate that accelerated by 20% in height and 72% in biomass when exposed to music. He initially experimented with classical music, though he later found similar effects experimenting with Indian jam band music known as raga. Singh repeated the experiment with field crops using a particular type of raga played through a gramophone and loudspeakers. The size of crops increased between 25 to 60 percent above the regional average. Through his experiments, Singh concluded that the sound of the violin has the greatest effect on plant growth. He also experimented on the effects of vibrations caused by barefoot dancing. 
After exposure to India's most ancient dance style, with no musical accompaniment, several flowering plants, including petunias and marigolds, flowered two weeks earlier than the control. Now, I was so fascinated, I reached back out to Stephen, and he agreed to do a deep dive on plants and music with me in a future episode. But I'll share links to some of the fascinating books and research that I've found in the podcast 189 show notes at casuallybaked.com. So what does this have to do with sustainability, you might be asking? If plants react to the attitude with which they're nurtured, then it's even more important to me to know my farmer. The more I learn, the more I know that everything is connected. And the benefits of the food and plant medicine I consume can greatly increase when I make highly responsible and sustainable choices. You know, many of the cannabis farmers I know keep their girls company by playing them music. Since the studies indicate that plants also seem to have a specific taste in music, it sounds to me like getting the vibe right by making your garden a mixtape might be the right move for a healthier harvest. And then you can keep that harmony on high with OCB rolling papers. No matter which OCB paper you choose, you can be assured OCB only uses natural acacia gum for an always sticks experience. And all OCB papers are vegan, GMO-free, chlorine-free, and dye-free. Of course, you must be 21 and older to buy OCB rolling papers and to follow the natural wonders of OCB on social, at OCB underscore USA. I've loved the OCB cones, but I've put them on a shelf as I master the classic art of hand-rolling my joints. If you're a grown-up joint-rolling novice, I invite you to learn the craft alongside me. Catch the Roll With Me video series lighting up on the Casually Baked YouTube channel. They're also going up on IGTV and WeedTube, but subscribe to Casually Baked on YouTube for the live streams. And if you haven't bought your rolling supplies yet, there's still time. Visit ocbusa.com backslash baked to get four booklets of OCB and a rolling tray for only $4.99. This bundle is worth 20 bucks and is around for a limited time. But the rolling skills and street cred we'll earn together, my friend, makes this bundle priceless. As for you OGs who can roll a joint blindfolded, I challenge you to sample the entire line of OCB products and let me know your favorite. Ask for OCB wherever you buy your papers. You'll find links to the OCB special offer as well as an interest form for joining me on an episode of Roll With Me in the podcast 189 show notes at casuallybaked.com. Stephen is yet another example of someone who discovered their passion by following a curiosity. He shares his early research and the science of sound healing, how sound can be a portal to easily accessing meditative states, and how our vibration gets baked into everything we create. As we've discussed on previous episodes featuring my sister, the Consciousness Coach, we are vibrational beings living in a vibrational universe. And if you've never been exactly sure what that means, 
We're cracking that conversation wide open today. It's all energy and it's all moving, my friend. So settle in for an empowering discussion on the sensitivity of our subconscious and ways to create more health, harmony, and balance in your everyday experience. It's time to get casually baked. We are live with Stephen Halpern. I like to call him the godfather of sound healing. He calls himself a founding father of New Age music and a pioneering sound healer. Stephen, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Great. Delighted to be here. Absolutely. So last week, I did a podcast with a woman named Carrie Connor, and she wrote the book, Wake, Bake, and Meditate. And so we were talking about the importance of set and setting for people in their meditation. And since the day that I met you, I have incorporated your music into my morning meditation. And so I would love for you to dive in a little bit and tell us your background and and the science of sound healing, like how all of this fun stuff works. Well, great. One of the reasons I started recording music is after I started my transition from being a jazz and jazz rock musician where we were paying a lot of attention to the notes and the scales and the melodies and what things go with which chords, very left brain uh, oriented, not what you need for meditation. I was, uh, and still am, a type A kind of adult ADHD individual, ADD, I guess, where uh, when I want to meditate, when I want to relax, I don't want to wait 20 minutes. And I remember going to music therapists back in the uh, when I was starting out in 1970 and said, what music do you have that could get me relaxed and reduce my stress? Uh, and they said, well, uh, we have music by Mozart and Beethoven and all you know, the classical masses who were not composing with the intention for relaxation. And they said, and if you listen to their you know, compositions for an hour, you'll be relaxed. And I said, excuse me, if I, <laughs> after an hour, I'll be so stressed out, you know, it'll be ridiculous. <laughs> what do you have that can get me there in a minute? And they said, there's no such music that can do that. That was part of the impetus for me to get involved in research. But people were telling me this new music that I was composing and playing on piano and then electric piano was giving them a reaction and an experience of instant relaxation, different than anything else that they were listening to. And when I play it, I would get that way, but I wanted to listen to it also when I wasn't playing the music, like when I was getting a massage. And uh, that was one of the reasons I started making my own little private tapes and then got into the recording business when it became possible for an independent artist to record. So what I have done over the years is First, as the first member of the audience, record music that gets me into the zone, into the state, and that is either the brain waves of coherence and balance that are the uh, the portal to very effective, very easy access to meditation. I do a lot of my work at the deep alpha level, which takes you into brain waves of about eight cycles per second. And why this is so important is because 
Most everything else around us is keeping us out of this. And we were speaking. Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. I did this years ago and it continues to empower me to get nerdy with my cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, Endo Aligned Product Matching in your state, suggested dosage guidelines, and optimum methods of administration. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, EndoDNA is celebrating their new patent with a BOGO offer on their Effica Soft Gels lineup. Since so many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Effica Unwind, created to support healthy sleep cycles using a patented proprietary formulation of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are made of this. So buy one, get one, my friend. You can shop online at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at checkout to save 25% on your DNA test kit. Right now is uh, when the brain is operating in an electrical pulsation of about 13 to 38, 39 cycles per second, what we call the beta uh, brain rapid. People forget that our brains are electrical organisms. Is that considered the frequency or the hertz, that number that you're talking about? What is that? This is eight cycles per second, or it's also called eight hertz, H-E-R-T-Z, named after Dr. Hertz, who measured these things in the first place. And starting in the early 1900s, scientists were able to measure uh, the frequencies of these brain waves. Uh, They first found alpha, and that's why it doesn't go in order, but they first were able to measure the alpha waves, and then they got into the higher frequency beta waves, and then got slower into the theta waves of deep meditation and healing, and then into sleep down in delta. Well, what we started finding with the early biofeedback research that I was involved with, I was challenged by two world-class scientists Dr. John Lilly, who did a lot of work with dolphins and other altered states, and Dr. Stanley Krippner, who noticed and uh, got the testimonials of other people who was hearing my music and said, this is called subjective response. It's great, but if you want to be taken seriously, that your music is producing an effect different than most music, you need to compare your music and most music, or That's at least right. some samples. Give us the research. See what yes. And I said, you know, I'm a musician. I don't know anything about research. And he says, so hire a lab, hire some scientists who that's what they do. And that was my first entree into the field. Dr. Kripke hooked me up with the laboratory. They had brainwave monitoring devices, what's called GSR, galvanic skin response, which measures the electrical conductivity of the skin. And most avant-garde of the aspects was curly in photography, an apparatus that would measure the electrical energy field, the electromagnetic energy field around our body. 
around okay. our head, around our hands. Now, let me ask you this. So you're the creator of this music and you know it's making you feel better. Other people are saying it makes them feel better. So you find these scientists, you find a lab, you're going to start doing these experiments. Are you also the guinea pig that's putting on all this stuff? They're testing your brainwaves, listening to your music? That came later. And a second major, major breakthrough in London in 1977. What we did, and the beauty of being in grad school, was you have access to free lab rats, i.e. students. <laughs> and we also got some faculty and then some people off the street. So we got a wide range of cultures and age groups, etc. And we tested them. In 1977, when I was at a, uh, the first Festival of Mind, Body, Spirit in London, I hooked up with the leading brainwave biofeedback scientist, Dr. Maxwell Cade, and I was invited to his lab when they did put the electrodes on my head. What they were testing first is the state that I go into when I'm composing or meditating or, or channeling or recording. And what I remember is we did the little test and they come out in the room and they said, there must be something the matter. So uh, the, the machine is not reading right. So they took all the goop off and then they applied all the electrodes again. And, they, and then they come back and look at me and says, we've only seen this high level coherence pattern, what's called a fifth state, with two other people. Rose Gladden, the leading healer in the UK at that point, 1977, and a Tibetan monk who's been meditating 30 years. So how do you get into that state? And, you know, no one knows what's inside someone else's head. Do you see what I see? You know, like the old song say, what do you see when you close your eyes? I don't know, but I know it's mine. I had no way to compare that with other people. And they said, you, sir, are very unusual. <laughs> what I also learned is that that state gets baked into the music. It gets encoded vibrationally. You don't hear it, but you feel it. So that's one of the things that's less publicly known about my music, but it's why it works so well. It's why I listen to it in the morning, because if I only have five minutes to meditate, I know the rule, say 20 minutes in the morning, whatever. A lot of times I maybe have five minutes. I don't want to waste five minutes getting to the state. I want to get right there. And what happens is with uh, music like my Chakra Suite or Deep Alpha or now the Cannabis Dreams, the music instantly shifts your brain waves because your brain, like your heartbeat, responds to incoming stimuli. This is an automatic nervous system response. You can't tell your brain waves don't match the frequency of this external music. You can't tell your heartbeat uh, in, in this whole concept of rhythm entrainment. You can't tell your heartbeat not to match the speed of the background drummer or the rhythm. So, for instance, if I tap my fingers right now, your breathing rate, your heartbeat, if you're measuring it, will be speeding up. I do this, and I've done this at a couple of times with uh, nurses, with a thousand nurses in the, in the audience, and they're all feeling their pulse because they know how to do the official pulse count. And they go, wow, he's in charge of our nervous system. And then I slow it back down, but I say, folks, when you are taking a patient's pulse in a hospital, if there's music on, you're not taking their natural pulse. You're taking the pulse of the music, which is usually faster than a relaxed state. 
You know what? The other, the other important thing to think about then is all of the chaos that we're around all of the time, all of, you know, the cacophony of sounds outside. If you're, you know, driving through a construction zone or other people's music, like I can physically get uncomfortable listening to a raucous jazz beat that is kind of like off tempo and a lot's happening. I'm like, I have to turn that off. It gives me anxiety. Good for you. And many people will get anxiety, but they won't notice it. Or they will think, oh, it's really not having an effect on me. Well, the early biofeedback research that I started tapping into because I was invited to their conferences is a stressful response. Like even a, a commercial on TV where the soundtrack is so irritating, I now have to have my remote and the mute in my hand or within easy access because there are so many ads that, that are designed to be stressful because they know that'll keep you stressed 10 times the amount of time that you're watching, but it also sets you up for their commercial message. So you will buy their product. They don't do it by accident. They have done much more research than I have or you know, anybody else. It's a, it's a real science. So that is, is part of what's going on with that. But so, so with this rhythm entrainment, these are things that you don't have a choice about. But when you recognize that it's having a stressful effect on your nervous system, on your state of consciousness, on your depression, on your state of being, then you want to take better care of what stimuli comes into you. Some people are more sensitive. Uh, so many things in my life, I have always been a very sensitive person. I used to complain to my parents about the sound of the refrigerator because we, our kitchen table, our dining table was three feet from the refrigerator and the low rumble, I could feel it in my stomach and it gave me indigestion. So my father would yell at me for having indigestion and I'm saying, but the sound of the refrigerator, it's, it's <laughs> you know, messing up my stomach. And he said, shut up, you know. Uh, it doesn't affect my stomach, said my father. So it can't be affecting you. How could sound, which you can't see and you can't taste, how could that be affecting you? And part of the reason I got into research was to literally to find out if I was crazy or if he was wrong. And I found out that he was wrong. But <laughs> it gave right. me a little, a little push to find out. And then when I knew that what I was feeling was true for me, then I started taking much more control about my audio environment, what I let into my environment, what I mask other things with. And one of the uses for my music that people figured out from the beginning in 1975 is you can play the music softly in the background and it'll just cover up a lot of other sounds, but hold the space in a transparent way so you don't even hear the music, but it helps you stay focused, de-stressed and alert. And that's a good trifecta. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that these specific sounds and tempos, they can all make you feel a certain way. Therefore, if you are in control, you can use sound healing in very specific ways. So, you know, just this week, I listened to your ADHD mindfulness music while I was working, you know, to keep me at an enhanced state of focus. Um, the the deep theta for meditation, also the cannabis dreams during meditation, and then also manifesting abundance. 
you know, I had a lot of very different experiences with your music this week. And someone in the notes had said, what hurts is your music being played at. And, you know, that's the thing. All of those are different. So can you talk a little bit about your creative process of making the music and and why you choose these different processes or instruments to make us feel a certain way? Sure. And let me first begin this concept of hertz or cycles per second or vibrations, there are two parallel concepts. One is what frequency is the music tuned to? Is A, like in concerts, the violins and everybody is tuned to A uh, at 440 cycles per second, 440 cycles per second. In Mozart's day, A was lower. It was 428 cycles per second. And there's a lot of research that's suggesting that if music is tuned or played at 432 cycles per second, it will be more healing. And the problem is there's very little music available that's tuned to 432 cycles per second. A lot of it is at rock music, which doesn't give you some of the other benefits you want from that, but it can make some of the rock music better. But uh, most of my music was recorded at 440. I have some uh, in, in a series my 432 hertz series that specifically addresses that and people could compare them on their own. But the other part of the question is, all my music is either tuned naturally to the deep alpha state or deep theta, either naturally from when I'm in the studio and getting into my own state and then locking in, getting into the zone and recording, or what I started doing with the albums called Deep Theta and deep alpha is I said, well, ordinarily, what I would do is I would record the music on either uh, the main instruments, which first be the Rhodes electric piano, which is like a series of tuning forks played by a keyboard or grand piano or some special sounds that work for me on uh, the various keyboards or samplers or synthesizers. Uh, and it's always been true that there are some brands I can't use it all because I hate the sounds. And other ones, I bought many of my keyboards because it had one sound that I liked. I go into my local music store and the guy, the manager knows me. He says, hey, we just got a new keyboard in last night. Check this sound out. You're going to like it. And it was a sound that instantly I went out of my body. And I said, I'll buy it. He says, don't you care? Don't you want to know what else it could do? I said, I don't care. It does that. And I took it into the studio that day and went right into state in the studio as soon as I plugged it in. And that became the beginning of my album, Higher Ground. So the sound itself that I choose is always very important. But then what I did starting as, as a research project, I said, well, instead of just adding the frequencies after I do the music, will composing music when I'm listening to headphones that have the uh, brainwave entrainment frequencies already dialed in, I can choose whether my brain is going to be pulsating at eight cycles per second, 10 cycles per second, uh, six or five or four cycles per second in the deep theta range. So I would do a composition and then change the frequency in the studio and then go down. And for me, when I got down to four hertz, four cycles per second, the deepest range of theta, I suddenly started hearing music in my head. And that usually doesn't happen. And this was not smoking anything. That's this what I was natural. about to ask. Okay. Right. 
<laughs> so there's two levels of composition that I do. Now, having made that breakthrough, I then said, well, let's see if I could go even higher by now working with the deep theta frequency, working with the deep alpha theta, and having a toke of um, the particular strain that I was working with at that point, which was a gift from a friend that was called Girl Scout Cookies. But, you know, that was years ago. I don't have access to that particular uh, harvest season. And that's the problem is it's hard to get a consistent strain that's always working the same. But at least now with dispensaries and the growers being so masterful and how they could identify the different traits, uh, I know to go back to a certain dispensary to get the same strain that if I find something that I like being ADD, I want to get the I don't I I like having something that's predictable and that always works. That means I get my money's worth and I don't have to waste time or I don't have to fall asleep or I don't have to get so hungry after I smoke something <laughs> that I lose the high and have to start all over. I'm sure many of you who are listening and watching have had that experience. And back in the early part of my career, we were so happy back in Buffalo in college there was so little cannabis available that you were just happy to get your hands on anything. So no one asked, well, does this make you hungry? Does this make you sleepy? Is this good for creativity? These are all outcomes now that we can identify and choose. And that's why my Cannabis Dreams album is also kind of a love and thank you to these wonderful growers who are now making my life better and, and rather than being a hit or miss situation. So with deep Theta, I then would get into overdubbing with listen. And then when I years later, as things evolved with the album called Cannabis Dreams, all the tracks are recorded when my brainwave frequencies uh, in my headphones are on the deep alpha range, because that's tuning into the frequency of the earth, the harmonic uh, fundamental vibration that's known as the Schumann resonance. And I'm thinking, Marijuana, green, grows in the earth. Let me focus on the earth resonance frequency. So that's why that's at the deep alpha rather than the theta. And let me see. And I've, like many people, have read the stories of uh, the shaman who go into the jungles in, in the Amazon and commune with nature and the plants communicate a song to them. Well, that always sounds like a little folk song. That was not what I was hearing, but I would get into a state where I would hear the notes that I would play, and then I would hear the next phrase unfold. I couldn't tell you what I was going to play in 20 seconds, 20 seconds ago. But as I get to that place, it was like I'm turning a corner and the music would lead me. And I don't have to think about it. I would just play what I hear. And then sometimes I just go into the space where music comes through my fingers I don't even hear it until I listen to playback. Yeah. And indeed, as I was then editing the album for several years, I would put it on as I'm falling asleep, uh, the, the main tracks of Cannabis Dream. And I would get instructions or downloads or I would hear different things as I'm falling asleep and in dreams. And sometimes it was strong enough that it would wake me up, make little notes, remember it, and then Next, next time I go in the studio, I can recreate what I heard and dream in the studio. I'm not an engineer myself, but working with my engineer as a partnership, he helps manifest what I hear inside. 
That's and really that's, cool. That's, I, I write about it in the liner notes of the album, but it's really true. And I was talking to um, uh, email and Kristen Hoffman, the wonderful vocalist who's featured on tracks one and three uh, the other day. And I said, you know, I'm looking at back over emails. We started this project in 2016. It took this long because some things take long and because we didn't know. And then, of course, you couldn't really put out an album with that title until things were really legal, more legal around the country. I sat on it and did, did more of the work. But that's an album that I could, I could say that every track on that album is inspired by and resonates with a particular strain, uh, some of which are not available anymore, but some of which are. And those are ones that I find when I listen to that strain and listen to those tracks, it's like a double high. Yeah. And that's one of the things that uh, I'd like to you know, share with your audience and say there, there are two tracks on the album that you can probably find in many dispensaries. The new premium cannabis strain called Mariah by Santana. And I can tell you that I've bought several quarter ounces and the product is the same. It's always wonderful. And that is such a blessing to have something that always works and it's wonderful. And of course, it's so economical because all I need is one toke. Yeah. So what you were talking about really is the entourage effect of cannabis and music yes. and your intention and and being able to just really fine tune you know, what that cannabis experience is, what the sound healing experience is, and where you're having it, whether it's alone, whether it's in a group of people. But, you know, those three things, you can completely dial in and have an amazing experience. Oh, that is a great way of phrasing it. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we're, we're moving into the next phase of cannabis culture, where people are paying attention. It's not just does this get you sleepy? Does this get you high? Does this get you stoned? But there is the finesse. It's it's like the connoisseur. It's like what we had with wine, wine tasting. When you move on from just drinking anything and can appreciate the finer aspects of a particular strain, is my experience, and it sounds like your experience, it's a higher experience. There's more to get out of the individual experiences. And now with so many different uh, varieties to check out, it's a never-ending uh, feast. And the other thing, too, you know, when you were doing the the tapping experiment about how it can speed up our pulse and that sort of thing, you know, I find, too, that finding the right sound healing music for me, that it also very easily helps me regulate my breath. Oh, yes. So you just hit on a very important point. I, I never used to write about this but I would share it in my workshops. Uh, one of the secrets to my composition and style comes from the mantra, composer, compose yourself. And I do that through meditation. And as, as I learned early on through my early yoga training, the simplest way to balance your brain waves and to get into a relaxed state is to take slow, deep breaths. So I do that before all my recordings, before my concert, and I play from that state. Now, something else that most people have never figured out, and if we have any musicians and now you know, but uh, the beginnings and ends of phrases, 
and the times between the tracks on CDs. It may not be that way on uh, the streaming platforms because one song goes right into the next. But I would time the end of a fade out to the beginning of the first note of the next song to a deep yogic breath. And I remember for years, I'm sitting there in the studio in Palo Alto and the engineer is saying, what are you doing? I said, I'm timing the time between the songs so it will naturally entrain the listeners to basically force them or to seduce them into taking a deep breath, which then also balances their brain waves, which helps them get higher, which helps them get more out of the music and more into the relaxed. So it's a self-perpetuating uh, cycle and it's it's a win-win-win. Yeah, I like that. And you talk a lot about entraining your brain. Dive a little bit deeper into that because, you know, I, I feel like part of that comes from setting an intention and, and knowing why you're doing what you're doing. So if we know why we're trying to do the sound healing, we set our intention, how does that entrainment of our brain happen? The entrainment happens automatically on two levels. Any music, any musician, uh, when they are playing music, encodes within their performance, their sounds, their brainwaves, their whole body's basic frequency. Whether it's they the intend to or not, right? Oh, right. It happens. Yeah. It's it's function. This was known when I was getting into the field in the 70s, but it was not public knowledge. It was something that we would hear about at these science conferences, the quantum physics conferences. And then when the book called The Intention Experiment came out by Lynn McTaggart, the concept of measuring the power of intention was now out there in the public. Dr. William Tiller is one of the great geniuses in the field, and he was one of my mentors in this context. And what I picked up from him was that it's not just the music, but the energy that comes through. And that was also a function of that every atom vibrates, every cell and organ in the body vibrates at a certain frequency. And if you give your body the raw materials that it needs to come into balance, it will do so uh, immediately. And setting the intention could be just as simple as setting the intention. When Dr. Bruce Lipton started going public with his book, The Biology of Belief, he was saying, well, you know, if you want to overcome your genetic predisposition, uh, instruct your genes to express for optimal health and well-being. So I went up to Bruce at the end. Uh, we became friends and we talked. And I said, Bruce, what's the secret? How do you instruct your genes to express for optimal wellness? What's the special formula? He says, there's no formula. You use English language. Yes. You use words. And I said, how could something that simple work? And they said, we don't necessarily know, but we know it does. Yes. And you know that's like in the field, well, it works in practice, but it'll work in theory. Well, I care if it works. You know, I'd like to understand it, and I've done a lot of work to understand it, but the bottom line is, if it works, that's what we're going for. That's right. So, well, and also focusing our energy and attention on the things we want and the things that are going right versus focusing on the problem. And when I am meditating, 
I do say I am healing and restoring myself to my optimum potential. I have different I am statements that I say while I'm meditating. I am a powerful creator. You know, I am in vibrational alignment with truth. I am abundance, you know, just like whatever your things are. Wow, you just gave somebody a whole mini book. <laughs> they can play this back and, and copy those down. Those are all beautiful. Thank you. Yes. Well, and I just think it's the secret sauce of meditation and healing. So we've got the cannabis, we've got the music, we've made time for ourselves. So now let's optimize that time and just really put forth the intention that you want. Right on. When, when I was introduced to cannabis, spring of 1966, it was within the circles of master poets and musicians. So the concept was not of getting stoned, but just altering consciousness so that you become more creative, more open to, and more mm -hmm. sensitive to various aspects. But also, and this is certainly that everybody you know, discovered in the 60s, uh, even before they got into LSD, is when you smoke, cannabis will enhance your perceptions, all your sense perceptions. But particularly relevant for me was it allowed me to hear deeper into the notes. I could uh, really slow down and pay attention to the higher harmonics of some of the instruments. And uh, one of the great lessons and manifestations that was the end of the Beatles album, A Day in the Life, with that huge piano chord that sustains for days. And, and then as you really listen, and I'll just mention this, back in the day, we thought that because we were smoking, we were able to hear all those different harmonics and the shifting little melodies. Years later, we found out that the secret was that the producer, uh, he had like five different pianos all tuned slightly differently so that he could get all those different harmonics. But because I believed that it was what I was smoking, I could still hear them. Now, years later, once I knew that, I said, I want to set up microphones with my engineer in the studio when I record my piano that will give me more of those inside harmonics that I listen to that get me instantly into a meditative state. So I and my engineer designed some setups of microphones that we would always take down so no one else could copy me. That's one of the reasons when you listen to my grand piano recordings, you'll hear richer harmonics and melodies and washes of sound that you won't hear with most people. Most engineers and most musicians try to get rid of all those sounds. They just want the main note. Well, I want all the entourage effect. Yeah. And that's also what I listen to to get ideas for what the next phrase that I'm going to play with. Because I don't write down most of the music before I play it. I'm right in the moment. I'm in that mindful state, being totally in the moment and getting in the gap between thoughts, getting in the space between the notes. And that's what cannabis could also help you get to is a space between the notes. Yeah. So then when you combine music that has a lot of space between the notes and you're imbibing, it's again, that entourage effect. So tell me, do you have um, any of your singing bowls in front of you or anything? I don't. 
Okay. Uh, unfortunately. That's okay. Well, because one of the things that you had talked about before is teaching people how to hear those edges of the notes. So when we're done here and people go to Spotify or whatever and look up Stephen Halpern and check out your music, give us a couple of pointers on how we might listen to the music to hear in between the notes and to take this in. Sure. And again, one of my uh, mentors was a great teacher, Alan Watts. Uh, whether you have a, a Tibetan bowl or a, a singing bowl or a, a crystal bowl, when you hit the bowl, there'll be a main note that you hear. That's the obvious sound. But then as you breathe and listen, you will hear a subharmonic coming out. And then with uh, the better bowls, there will then be a higher harmonic that wasn't even there before. But if, as you listen it'll become clear. So it's like a high ringing sound, which is why they call it a singing bowl. And this can happen whether you are taking the sound around or hitting it. Uh, I have an album called Tonal Alchemy that has uh, a lot of that featured. My album Crystal Bowl Healing 2.0, you'll hear that with crystal bowls, but they have one main sound, but not the higher harmonics unless you add in other bowls, which is what I do on the album. That's how to begin. I was in, in a, uh, a lecture by Alan Watts in 1972 in, in grad school. And after he hit the bowl, it was a nice big boom, wah, 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 wah. And you could also listen for that wah, 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 wah sound that you get with some of the bowls. That is organic brainwave entrainment. That's having the same effect and that's what the priests and the mystics were, were making these instruments for, because it got them into an altered state. Well, and you, know? you feel and, it and, in your body, like the the vibration that is expanding from the sound. You can feel that frequency, that energy in your body. And doing meditations where you do some sort of humming or making sounds where you are matching the vibration of your body with the sounds that you're hearing, you know, that in and of itself is wonderful for immune support and, and things like that. Yep. So our actual physical healing can be affected by listening and feeling in our bodies what's happening. Well, absolutely. And again, I look back over my history and that event was, was significant because although I loved the sound, I remember thinking in my head, okay, Alan Watts, you've hit it once, you've hit it twice, do something else. And he looked right at me. I mean, I was in, in the middle, you know, on the aisle, and he looked right at me and says, some of you don't know how to listen to a temple bowl. Let me hit it again and listen to the furthest away note. So I was in my mind as a Western musician, I'm waiting for the next phrase. I'm waiting for the scale. I'm waiting for the pattern. And he said, no, no, no. That's how you listen to classical music or rock, something else. You need to be with the music. You need to slow down. And then it'll open up. And it transformed my relationship with singing bowls. And when I was in Japan, I went to a singing bowl factory and found a couple that they have hundreds. And I, I'm there on tour, doing concentral workshops, but with it, I had an hour, so I went to the shop nearby, and I'm hitting all of them, and I found a couple that 
here's how I noticed it is like, it felt like I had an out of body experience. It was an instant meditation and the two bowls might look exactly the same, but I would say, I want this one. I want that one. And that's how I found the ones in my collection. And people could find, it's just like finding your own crystal. Uh, the concept that as you touch different crystals, one will feel better to you than others. When I first heard that, I said, no way. You can't feel a crystal like that. And the first time it happened, it was like, way, whoa, this is real. Okay, now let me fine tune that sensitivity. That was the breakthrough. And that's what people can have with sound. Yeah. I mean, just like with our cannabis, you know, we follow our nose. So it can be with all of the things. Well, Stephen, I so appreciate your time today. Is there something that we didn't talk about that you think is important to round out our sound healing education? Let me give you two other homework assignments for those who are listening. And they come off of the new album, Cannabis Dreams. You'll find track one and three are related. And track two and four are related. And the difference is that as I, shall we say, had an extra toke for tracks two and four, as you listen, notice the difference in your elevation, in your high. The basic music is the same, but there are some very significant differences. And then you can choose, and you may want one. Uh, when you want to be a little more active, tracks two and four, I could tell you, do not listen when driving. <laughs> now, we haven't had a lot of other people's brainwave tested at this point, but if you're driving, most of this album should not be listened to. In fact, there's a little note that says, do not listen while driving. But if you're a veteran, Toka, a little bit can be extraordinary. And I used to listen to this as I was driving up to the studio and I would do editing in the car because I know the music and I'm driving the back roads of Marin, but I didn't smoke when I was doing it. So it was just, just the music. And I would hear things that I get into the studio and I'm able to recreate it because driving, it just helps you float and really takes the stress out. But tracks two and four, as you listen more carefully, notice the difference between track one and three and tracks two and four. And I could tell you that some of the same notes are played, but you will hear them differently. And that's kind of a trick of uh, figure ground related to art, but this is figure ground in music. And it's part of what my brain would always hear is once you get past the obvious melody or the, the stuff in front, what's happening in the background is really interesting. And that's what I'm listening to in my headphones when I'm recording. And sometimes I almost forget to play. So, well, so riddle me this. So you have one and three and then two and four. So right. do you have them in the order so that we kind of go on this little roller coaster, if you will, of one, two, three, four? Or do we listen to them out of order? Like, why did uh, you put them that way? On the CD, I start with Cannabis Dreams then Cannabis Dreams Mario, then Cannabis Dreams, the more ambient version, and then Cannabis Dreams Mario, named after and inspired by Mario by Santana, that wonderful strain, the ambient version of that aspect. And I remember when I was recording in the studio, 
I had found a new sound that I had never played with before. And when I looked down at my body on the piano bench, it looked like I was levitating. So that was the experience that I had when I was recording and mixing, which will then be part of the effect that people will also pick up on because that was in my whole vibratory field. And when you slow down to listen, you will hear some things between the voice and the background choir and the keyboards that I've never played before. So it's a breakthrough album for me. And I just fall in love every time when I hear those songs. So for me, it's been a labor of love and it happens every time, which I also find really wonderful. Well, I so appreciate what you've done and the fact that you have dedicated your life to researching, recording, and sharing these healing sounds with us. So thank you for your work. And if people want to connect with you, it is... StephenHalpernMusic.com. That is the website on Twitter, at Stephen Halpern. My associate handles my Twitter account, and then she'll forward stuff to me, and I'll answer. Uh, I do a little stuff on Facebook, which is Facebook.com slash Stephen Halpern Fan Club. But whatever is easiest, and I will respond. And I love getting questions. And if, if people have specific experiences that they'd like to share, well, of course, you know, that's how we develop a database of people's experiences. And they can share that with others that can inspire and teach them to go, wow, I never thought of doing that. Let me really listen to it. Let me see if I can hear those higher harmonics. And they're called higher harmonics because, as we like to say, they get you higher. That's right. We're getting in the weeds on that sound. Like music for abundance, I would take music that is already in, in the alpha state or the theta state, some of my favorite songs, because the first person I did that for was me, because I needed help with it. And, you know, put it out there. And I've gotten some pretty amazing testimonials. I mean, it's, it's one you can't test in a lab, but because it works on the subliminal level and the subconscious level, I've gotten some really wonderful feedback from it. And that's how I designed that. I write some of the affirmations myself. I look through unity and science of mind and Louise Hay, and then I make my own variations of those. And even, you know, four or five, adding with the music, say each one three times, you have a five-minute piece of music that you could put on any time you want, play in the background. And for you, because you could take the volume fader down, you could make it full voice, threshold voice, and then subliminal. And each one has a different effect. Interesting. So it's just a wonderful way because as the theory goes with affirmations, if when you say, I am relaxed, if you're not relaxed, your conscious mind says, no, you're not. You're yes. lying. You're out of your mind. You're such and such. So there's a constant... <laughs> resistance. Whereas when it's subliminal, you can't hear it. The subconscious mind accepts what it hears and it doesn't question it. So when you tell your subconscious mind through subliminal audio, I am relaxed, it works much better. And there's a whole field of subliminal communication. And I was one of the first people to really put product out in the world and do some recordings and do some research. And some of that will be more in my next book, uh, because it was transformative to me also. And, yeah. you know, again, is without all these things that were built into my music, I probably wouldn't be here right now. So I am a uh, good test subject and, uh, and proof that uh, this stuff works. 
I love that. Talk to me a little bit about the subliminal messaging, because I think that's fascinating. Starting about 120 years ago, some scientists started working on in the field of subliminal perception, things that would be in the visual world and in the audio world. It's very hard to, uh, to do research with this. Part of the reason is the universities don't want you to research in the deaf facilities. And up until 30 years ago, individuals didn't have the equipment to do good research or to test out with a lot of uh, scientists. But what they found is that, uh, again, the subconscious mind is picking up data all the time. And when we think of peripheral vision, when you're driving, you're aware of something out of the corner of your eye, but you're not looking at it. How does that happen? Because you're looking straight ahead. Well, this is like peripheral sound. You're listening to the melody, but there could be some things below the threshold of conscious perception. But our uh, trillion cell brain has developed over you know, all the years of evolution to pay attention to all these things. Because if you're back in the old days, if there was an animal rustling the leaves over there, you want to know about that. The army actually in the 70s and 80s started training super soldiers to increase their psychic perception for that same reason. If you are on point in military and out in the jungle, you want that guy to be aware of all the subtle sounds. And that's when the military and other people started doing research and finding out how sensitive we are to these subtle sounds. Then they say, well, when you're giving instructions to the subconscious mind, you don't want to say you do not gain weight. You are not stressed because the subconscious mind also doesn't perceive the negative word. So it would literally say, and I, I used to get people who would buy my weight loss tape and say, well, I bought your competitors and I gained weight on theirs. But because it said you do not gain weight, they gained weight. You need to know that it's powerful and that's a negative response. It worked, but in the wrong way. So when you are making your affirmations, you phrase them in the positive, but also, like you said, in the I am. That goes back hundreds of years. That's a magical formula. But you don't say, I will be relaxed, because you can only relax in the present moment. Yeah. So I am relaxed right now, right here. So the subconscious, if you gave it a little voice, it, oh, really? I am relaxed? Well, I guess I better be relaxing. And our nervous systems, our consciousness is so sensitive that these little changes can make all the difference in the world. And when I learned that I had a choice, that I wasn't at the uh, mercy of all these stresses in the environment, that I could do things to create more harmony and balance in my environment, it was life-changing. And I went from being pissed off and negative all the time to being much more mellow, got a lot more work done. And my health improved. So these are all benefits, and it's all free. It's just a little switch in the mental apparatus and understanding. And I go, why is this not taught in schools? Why is this not part of some TV shows? I mean, 98% of Americans don't know about this. I've had people in, in workshops say, well, what you're saying about brainwaves is fantastic. It's fascinating. Do I have any brainwaves? Oh, Lord. And I didn't know how to answer that. You know, my New York mind is going, oh, you can make a funny answer to that. <laughs> but, you know, you have to be nice. 
but it got me thinking that we don't get training in our society, in our culture, in school. No, because it's been this whole thing has been used as a weapon against people. And that is why they don't want it taught in universities either, because Hollywood, the government, they are subliminally messaging us in very negative ways. And so if we know about it, then we stop drinking the Kool-Aid. In that early research laboratory that I was part of, I was introduced to the work of Dr. Wilson Bryan Key, who wrote the book called Subliminal Seduction who did research looking at advertisements in magazines, color advertisements that are just on the page that has subliminal artwork of little orgies and people doing things and the word sex that you would never see if you just are turning the page. But he did the research and years later, one of the uh, artists who did that gave him the textbook and the instruction manual Uh, All the time when the cigarette manufacturers and the liquor manufacturers said, oh, we don't do that. They actually now had hard copy proof that that's exactly what they're doing. Why? Because it works. And at the same time that everyone's saying, nothing to see here, folks. This is that's all new age. You know, it's it's uh, conspiracy theory. It doesn't work. We wouldn't do that at the same time that they're doing it. The hardest thing right now is to see that in real time, when it's happening on TV or movies, my body can often tell me now if there are subliminals going on that I don't want to take into my consciousness. I can feel a little tightness in my chest. And that's kind of my own inner radar. But uh, Mm -hmm. unless you take the audio and slow it down or take the video or the film and slow it down, which Dr. Key did, and you could find there'll be a flash of a very negative image or an image with a skull and crossbones in the movie The Exorcist. In sound, they take the sound of a swarm of bees in the soundtrack. They reverse it and lower it by two octaves. So you can't tell that it's bees swarming, but your nervous system recognizes danger on a genetic level. on an instinctual level. And that's built into so many films, so many TV shows. And of course, they never admit it. Yeah, that's so fascinating. And I do believe that when you do become better at listening to your body, you become more sensitive to those things. There are so many television programs and movies and music that I can't and don't have any interest in listening to or watching because it makes me feel terrible. And, you know, you get called sensitive for stuff like that. But I think that's a superpower. So I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm sensitive. Awesome. Exactly, exactly. One one quick thing, which was really dramatic for me. So I was watching the Grammys a month or two ago. I think it was the Grammys. And then when The Weeknd did his uh, big hit song, there was the flashing lights and there was something weird going on with the music. I felt within seconds that I was going to throw up. So I immediately changed the channel. So I didn't just mute it. I got rid of that imagery with the flashing lights. And that's known to disrupt the nervous system. That's also why it's a big hit. But for me, it was almost a mess. And that's how I take care of myself. I don't care that this is a hit song. It's dangerous to people like me. So when people recognize that that is out there and it's legal because it's called entertainment and it's not called therapy or healing, 
It's amazing what you can get away with called entertainment uh, versus what you get you in trouble as healing. But, you know, that's the world we live in. So we, we work around it and bring in the healing as best we can. Yes. And I appreciate what you've done. Sound healing, like it just sounds good. <laughs> Absolutely. I really enjoyed this. Thank you, Joe. You, you really set up a wonderful environment that's part of your field going out that makes it so easy to commune with you uh, well, thank as we're you. doing. So thank you. Yes, thank you. And we'll leave everyone with one of the soundtracks from Cannabis Dreams. hope you enjoyed the sound healing podcast as much as I enjoyed creating it. And I also hope that you're inspired to listen to your body and take control of your audio environment. Something Stephen said during our discussion struck me as a beautiful metaphor for life. Once we get past the obvious melody, the stuff right in front of us, we're able to notice what's happening in the background. And that's when things get really interesting. I loved that so much. So with that being said, I invite you to slow down and explore your day-to-day experience, like you're listening to the space between the sound. Notice your vibration and know that you have the tools to raise it whenever you're feeling nervous, scared, anxious, or worried. Your words and energy wield immense power. And though science can't exactly label how, they do have the research to know that it does. So if our connection lights you up, my friend, please rate and review Casually Baked the podcast on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. That, in turn, is going to light me up like the 4th of July, while also helping other canna-curious folks find this highly responsible cannabis content. You can find Cannabis Dreams and the rest of Stephen Halpern's music catalog on Spotify. Connect with Stephen and find links to books and studies to further your own research in the podcast 189 show notes at casuallybaked.com. And I'm excited to report that Stephen and I are currently working on a collaboration. Podcast patrons, you'll be the first to know the details. And if you aren't a podcast patron, you can become one for $5 per month at patreon.com backslash casually baked. As always, submit your can of curious questions through the website at casuallybaked.com or DM me on social. I'm at casually baked on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. <sighs> How law. All is well and getting better, my friend. So keep those high vibes flowing. And thanks for doing your part to Puff Puff Pass It On. Casually Baked the Podcast was created, recorded, and produced by yours truly. Editing and sound design are in the capable hands of Arnav Gupta. The podcast theme music is by my highly talented friend Seth Walker. 
If you aren't familiar with Seth's music, you can find High Time on his album Gotta Get Back wherever you're buying your music these days. I know he didn't create High Time for me, but it sure as shit sounds like he did, right? I hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey there, this is Cheryl Murray Powell Esquire, and I'm the host of the Terps in the City podcast. I am a cannabis agricultural dietary supplement and trade attorney. I'm also a hemp farmer, and I've been recently named to the list of High Times Magazine's top 100 influencers in cannabis. I'm inviting you to follow me along my journey as I move back to New York to support the adult use market there. You're going to get a chance to listen to conversations with some of my friends along the way. I look forward to seeing you at Terps in the City.